Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social. It's the evening for me, but it's actually the morning for my fantastic guest here. We're doing a video for the first time as well. And so I'm not used to this, Gavin, but Gavin Crump, all the way from Australia, who is the Aussie BIM guru. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, yeah, just just uh, had Australia Day yesterday, which is one of the laziest days of the year. So just getting back into work mode. So yeah, no, I'm doing, doing great. And it's a, it's a relatively nice day outside. Maybe a bit gloomy for Australia. It's a bit. Oh, you know, look at that! Not quite what you'd expect, I, but um, it's just yeah. it's just dark here. I haven't got much to show you. You know. Yeah, but I'm actually I'm, I'm in my new recording studio set up too. I just moved apartments about a week ago, so this is the first time I've got to video anywhere with my new um new new, new setup. So can't wait to to use it more during the year. But yeah, doing really well. I'm really excited to be here. I love it. I love it. So for any so how we met actually was on LinkedIn on the live stream. So you were a guest during the last podcast, and mm. so anyone that knows you, so you you've got a background in BIM, but more importantly, we actually started talking randomly about. World of Warcraft during the live stream, isn't it? So you're a bim man, you're a video game person, but you're a bit far. Other than that, I think we would be best mates otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the people I made in architecture, bim, I start talking to them and I'm like, oh, we're just the same nerd, essentially. There's so many people that, because I mean, programming computers, there's so many overlaps with, you know, nerd geek culture that I just come across so many kindred souls that I'm like, if I'd met you during high school, we would have been like, you know, like, Best of best of chums. Um, so yeah, it's always cool to meet people with similar interests and, and things that aren't necessarily just architecture too. Things where you're like, hey, this is actually more more fun to talk about because we talk about architecture every day. So it's a nice nice sort of tangent sometimes to go off. Well, you need a yeah. It's nice to have a bit of a breather. And one of the things yeah. on like the architecture social that we're actually setting up at the moment is a bit of a gaming clan. So maybe what we can do is if we can get enough people, we'll get forty people in World of Warcraft when we'll raid Molten Core, vanilla. Yeah. You know, let's go to the classics. I'd have to reactivate my account. I haven't played it for a little while. I stopped about a year ago um, just because I was getting too too into it. And um, everyone was on different time zones to me. So it wasn't wasn't the best for my sleeping pattern. But, but I, I might be able to get back to it. Well, I stopped a while ago as well. But I, I tell you what, it would be fun on the artificial social to do that. But another reason why we actually we were, we were talking is because a lot of the early podcasts that I did as well, because when I was on furlough, a lot of um fellow in the uk is basically like being put on the back bench with work yeah. and yeah. i felt like it was a good time at, at that point to do some content a to keep my brain going but to talk about students who might feel a bit lost during this time and yeah. one of the conversations that we had together which i think is really interesting is the fact that you now have gone down this avenue um where you specialize in bim but i'm uh, so when you were studying did you study a traditional course of architecture yeah, I did. I did um, five years straight through, uh, three years bachelor's, two years master's. Um, I think I got shown Revit once during the course. It was, BIM still wasn't really a big thing when I was studying. So there was almost a frowned upon aspect to, to BIM in the university courses because the idea was if you used BIM, it was too rigid and constrained your designs, it mm. constrained your thinking. And it sort of did until you learned to, you know, bend the spoon of BIM um, and actually, you know, learn more complex modeling techniques in a more rigid program to, to 
to, to, to bend the spoon. So I, I didn't really even think about BIM until I worked on my first project, which was a $2 billion hospital, um, wow. pretty much entirely being delivered in Revit. So it was massive. Um, there was like hundreds of models and I think 80, 80 architects in, in one office. So that, that was obviously a bit of a bit of a storm in a teacup to, to be in, but it was a, a pretty, pretty amazing experience. And I, I got sat next to a, the BIM manager of that job, that poor guy having, you know, 300 <laughs> models on his shoulders every day. We're a million um, questions from you. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, I, literally, my first day on the job, like everyone, you know, thinks I'm some BIM guru, but my first day on the job, I didn't know how to use Revit. I, I botched my way through the Revit test. Um, they just let me in because they felt bad for me and they needed people. <laughs> no, I was really lucky to get that job. And um, I overwrote the file that six people were in because I didn't understand how you save in a work sharing environment. Oh, no. And so I made six friends oh, no. on my first day. <laughs> and after that, he said, all right, I'm going to take you back a step and show you how to clean models and audit. And he sort of put that OCD aspect in my brain about BIM and cleanliness and well-maintained standards. And it just sort of went from there. So it was a, it was a really strange derail almost of what I was expecting to do. I thought I was going to come in and do documentation design. And it just completely derailed me. But like I could see the... I could see the rabbit hole straight away. It was right there. It was really weird. So I was really lucky that I had that guy to really just reposition uh, my, my thinking. Um, and, and it just went from there. Um, it, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I remember basically when I was doing my part one, it was MicroStation because the UK is a bit behind mm. Australia. And I had the same thing mm. where actually on my CV, I said MicroStation Basic. Okay. Yeah. And I put AutoCAD Advanced because that's all I've done. Vectorworks Advanced and MicroStation Basic. Now I advise people not to put the word basic in. It'd be literal yeah. how long they use software. But you're right. I put basic because I've opened it once or twice. And then I got the yeah, job. And then, they were, and then it was the same thing I got there. I was like, so how do I trim like or a desk? You know, and they just, the, the guy knew straight away. He was just like, oh God, here we bloody go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so what do you know about MicroStation? I know of MicroStation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, so this is the MicroStation. They're like, oh, he's calling it the MicroStation. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, whenever I hear the Revit, oh, I, know, I know that feeling when you get a new, a new hire and they say the Revit, you're like, all right, here we go. Uh, oh. Let's start from scratch. So they're, they're my favorite people to work with actually when they're like a block of clay and you know you don't have any premonition about what the program should do. So sometimes they can actually be super valuable as long as they've got the um, perseverance and the metal yeah. to get through it. Yeah, I think mm. that's a fair sentiment. But I'd look, I'm, just so you know, I know you get a lot of interviewers, but I am fully yeah. equipped to do this interview because I have a certificate in my room. I forgot to bring it in because, like you know, I messed up the time zones. Because um, I'm, you know, I'm now international. You know, normally it's yeah, UK it's interviews, <laughs> but the certificate is. Um, uh, I went on a CAD assist course, which is there was a company oh. in the UK, and yeah. I was a certified Revit beginner. So I'm just saying. Oh, there you go. Well, that, that's a start. Yeah. In 2014, though, and I haven't <laughs> loaded it up, and I haven't well, practiced architecture. Revit hasn't really changed too much since 2014, so that's probably good news. <laughs> well, I'll, t I'll take you. I'll take your word for it. But jumping back to, I think it's an important nugget that you mentioned there of when you joined the office, um, mm. and I appreciate now. I, I was like yourself, the, the person asking a million questions on MicroStation, but I look back and I think it's, it's a really important thing that you are, and I, most architects within a practice, they will want to help. They will want to help the next generation of architects. We almost feel sorry for the person, you know, it's like, oh, oh I've been in your position and sharing, yeah, yeah. sharing data is so important, but let's talk mm -hmm. about, cause you outlined a few really cool points um, mm -hmm. and talking about career pathways. So you established them. You joined the practice, 
you crashed yeah. the BIM model, you overwrote the file, which, I mean, that doesn't sound good to me. Right. That's that. But it's when I don't, oh, by the way, I will tell you what make you feel better. I once f- forgot a complete floor of this. This is like, there's this big tower called the Ram Brewery that's been built. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I forgot in the area schedule one whole complete floor. Or I oh, think yeah. when I was doing a 3D model, I issued one floor. So someone on the design team, which was issued the next day, was like, it looks short. And I just I just deleted a floor, so don't worry, I've I've been there. But uh, was but then we do have another thing in common apart from being BIM experts is that mm. while we studied architecture, we don't do traditional roots in architecture anymore. Yeah. And now I recruit you. Now you set up your own BIM consultancy, and I'm sure you've done mm. a more traditional BIM role, but. Mm. Um, you, I've seen so many people in recruitment now that I've helped become BIM coordinators and BIM managers who didn't mm. even know that they were doing BIM coordination yeah. in an in, architectural in an practice. They didn't, didn't even realize they had sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was your experience with that then and that kind of critical point? So you must have learned and done quite well since overwriting the model. Yeah, yeah. There's a few improvements since then, luckily. So um, I didn't just keep overriding models and then make a YouTube channel about it. <laughs> but, um, but essentially, I started in like what they call like a technician role. So, so sort of doing a bit of documentation, a bit of modeling, but learning about the framework of what BIM models really are and how they all come together and, you know, going to meetings, talking to people in higher roles and absorbing. Essentially, I was just in sponge mode for my first two or three years, mm. just like years open everywhere I went, going, going online, doing heaps of research in my downtime. I did a lot of um, lot of practice from home, which was pretty necessary just to... Mm just to get ahead of where everyone currently was because like there's more and more to learn every day. There's more programs, more workflows. So you, you sort of just have to catch up even harder every time you join. Like I do feel for the graduates these days, there's a lot to learn um, very quickly and the companies don't always teach it. Um, they sort of expect that you just magically find it somehow and, and then bring it back to work tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so I went from there and then I, I went into it straight into a BIM manager role. So I sort of leapfrogged the um, coordinator role. I had an opportunity to come up to go to, go to Sydney in Australia so I'm originally from a place called Adelaide, which is like South Central. I uh, okay. grew up there as a kid and worked there until um, pretty much after I finished that major hospital job and then did a bit of work in defense. So I can't talk about that or a little red dot will start appearing on my head. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I moved into a BIM management role. I essentially went to went out for a drink with the current BIM manager who came down from Sydney and we, we essentially just found an opportunity and off I went after I sobered up. Um, and then um, I, I sort of probably did BIM management like a little bit too early like a lot of people I talk to I teach them like you know learn to learn to walk before you run um, and I sort of you know was, was jogging at least maybe but I, I started running pretty fast and probably needed to take a step back and I became a BIM coordinator in a few different companies and that taught me more about collaborating with other people and coordinating uh, engineering disciplines and learning more about the way other people actually work and the way that their design requirements in, in overlap with ours and how to resolve when you know one person wants to drop the ceiling but the other person needs to put more ducks in the ceiling and how you can make those those scenarios work and learn all the sort of the tricks of the trade and you know how, how how thin you can force an engineer to make their ducts that they're not telling you those sort of little industry secrets that that are dangerous to know if, if, if you're on the architect side but um but sort of went from there back to bin management so there was a bit of a bit of a leapfrog as i figured out exactly what sort of skills i needed so i sort of took a step back and a step forward and a step back and and then eventually ended up back in BIM management with, a, I guess, the full the full armament of, of arms to, to take on the challenges that I didn't have the first time around. 
different. So it was a bit of an all over the place journey. So I always try to teach people that, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of change or, you know, just realizing when you, when you're missing a certain part of your skill set that you need to find somewhere. So it's all about just building up that, that confidence in, in what you do overall and, and finding what you do overall as well. So are you a BIM coordinator or are you a designer? Is there like a middle ground between those roles? Mm. There's a lot of um, gray roles and gray definitions I find these days. Like you, you, some people, you ask them what they do and they sort of have to think for a second before they decide to put it in a few words because um, it's so hard to describe. Like I just say consultant these days because most people I meet don't even know what BIM is outside of um, outside of architecture <laughs> or, or, they, or they know what BIM is and they don't like it. So I try to just reframe it <laughs> depending I, on what I'm talking to. Yeah. I think it's um, – do you know what? It's strange you use the word consultant because I, in terms of recruitment consultant, that's got a stigma, isn't it? So, mm. bit, um, yeah, it depends on on the the nature of the the recruitment agency that they work for. I think if people work like on their own or in smaller firms, I think people like it more because they know that yeah. they tend to be more um, hands on or more dedicated to the to the employees. It's more like the churning recruitment agencies can be harder when they're like you know they've got three hundred recruiters all working together and you know thousands of people churning through the system. But I find like the the, the best recruiters I've worked with have tended to be like in the smaller scale companies or even just like sole trading doing their own thing i find that they have like a lot more to give because you know they're more personally invested in in people's career development like i had one that that helped me through one of my roles and they they still call me to this day like every every few months just to see what i'm up to because they they, they were so happy just to see how they helped me sort of step on that journey so but there there is stigma for sure yeah like because i know a lot of a lot of recruiters can be quite persistent and sometimes you know they'll they'll get you somewhere for six months and then try to flip you six months later so they can get their little recruiting yeah. bonus. There's, there's all sorts of funny little tactics they use but but i think um most recruiters i work with these days seem quite seem quite genuine mm. um and, and i see a lot of them too because i get at least um every week in my linkedin message inbox i get at least 10 people asking for like career advice or how to find a job and if they're in sydney i usually flip them to a recruiter that suits them oh, um, just because, you know, I, I can only really give them advice they usually start by saying can i work for you and i'm like i go and look at my, my bank balance and i'm like no i, I think i'd rather <laughs> that for myself but um but i flip them to somewhere that can connect them with the, the right place and because i guess part of what i've done is sort of turn myself into an industry mentor of mm. sorts so that, that does happen quite a lot but but there's good recruiters out there for sure yeah well hopefully hopefully i can be in in the good camp but oh, i think based on what you're doing with architecture social you're, you're definitely one of the good ones do you reckon I mean, all right cool oh, whew. but what yeah. but there's a few that you covered a lot of points that were really interesting mm. um and the one thing that I do sympathize for is because uh, when you were, you know, like BIM, BIM managers, BIM consultants, I do think there's a period where it was almost like the rock stars um, of uh, recruitment world. So you'd always have <laughs> loads of recruiters be like, hey, you're a BIM mm-hmm. person. Can you please, please, please look at my job and all this stuff. And, and yeah. you were like unattainable uh, guru, uh, gurus that had like loads yeah, no, of recruiters in in your inbox but it's it's changed quite a lot and and i think it's changed in a few ways that's one of the bits that was really interesting you talked about them is now compared to 2014 okay Mm -hmm. when in terms of recruitment finding a bin manager for a role it Mm. was there wasn't many right Uh there was there was almost like this unofficial um analogy that we're using recruitment of you almost had to ship a bin manager in from australia seriously it was like <laughs> it was like basically someone that was really good uh, mm. and bim in australia they'd come to the uk and then they'd be like 
bin manager for i don't know faster shepherd robson yeah yeah i knew a few that did the jump um yeah it was quite common i mean i used to use the analogy that it was a little bit like the dating game like all the good ones were taken <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you had to, pay to, to put it yeah and there wasn't many and what's really interesting now is that it was almost like i feel that bim came from a place of like you talked about it was experience in industry whereas now mm. if someone's interested in the idea of bim but they studied architecture you could almost do a course in it and you mentioned it here in a few of the notes we talked about is you know should graduates like officially because in the uk you can study an msc like degree in bim per se um now i guess that's one way of doing it but Mm. you probably have a bit of an insight into that and you talked about mentoring i mean what would you kind of um advise someone that may be interested in bim or studying architecture Mm. or what's your thoughts on them yeah i mean i have pretty strong opinions on the study of bim like i've got a video i've done on youtube that's super in-depth if anyone wants to check it out on my channel but um i'll link it to you after but um i I more or less usually find that i have met people that have just done the pure bim study pathway Mm. and i mean first of all i find they struggle to get a job because there's no company out there that's just BIM. like that's not what the company's base offering is like bim is the the it's one of the layers of the cake so you need to know more about the overall cake and what generates company the the company's money or their their income stream which is sometimes bim is a component of what they deliver but it's actually like you know if you're an architect it's architecture it's design it's those things that bim doesn't really teach you but you can sort of start with say like architecture and design and then find your way into bim with the context Mm. of architecture as the foundation and that's usually what i recommend people do um so usually i say it's best to do like your your traditional study pathway unless you absolutely can't stand um any of that pathway like don't force yourself through something that you know you're just not going to enjoy because chances are you won't even finish it you might never come back to the industry and that's obviously you know not a good thing um but i'd say like if you can do a more traditional pathway i'd say it's better if you know you're going to be an engineer than study engineer engineering um sometimes those courses they they have like a bit of a double degree overlap that you can do these days where they introduce bim as a pretty major component like almost doing a thesis but now you do like a model or something like that instead on the side um that that gives you that context between your your studies um and then from there i I usually try say try to get like a fairly traditional job because you'll learn the base experience of being an architect or an engineer and and maybe you're not going to be an engineer by the end you want to be a bim manager but Every day you're going to be dealing with engineers. You're going to be supporting engineering requirements. So you really do have to have been in those trenches to, to relate to the people that you're supporting. Um, whereas if you're just that BIM guy, you may as well be like an IT manager. And and how many people you know relate to the IT manager on an architectural level? Like obviously not many people. They're talking the the other definition of architecture to us. <laughs> the the yeah. one that you look up and you look in the dictionary and it says IT system architecture, and it's like no, not that one. That's not the job I was looking. For. Oh, I get that all the time with the social yeah. where people like you know uh oh i thought it was uh software architecture but what was what's interesting about what you're talking about is it kind of is the same thing for me as in as a recruitment consultant you get so many recruitment consultants that do not have an understanding of architecture and then become mm. an architectural recruitment specialist and it's like mm. hang on you were never in the office how do you know and i mean you can get some good ones but i do agree that actually having studied architecture and working in architecture it means that mm. you've been there therefore you can yeah, relate yeah. to someone and i think that i imagine there is there is a transferable quality to that with bim mm. as in because you've worked on a project you see it from maybe a scenario in, in terms of a task you will see bim uh from an operational standpoint or you see it from a 
a strategic standpoint, but then you'll also understand from you being that guy who crashed that BIM model six times yeah, that, you know, you've got to train someone up the right way or you've got to, you've got to do all these factors and you can sympathize from their position. And I think that is really, really useful. And, and I kind of, yeah, but if you didn't go in industry, that's the bit you miss though, isn't it? Because you don't, you've never been doing the late night as you never know the frustrations. So do you know what I mean? With the people that you're supporting. I mean, a big part too is almost you, you, you sort of play devil's advocate to yourself sometimes when someone comes up and says, oh, something's not working and they won't tell you exactly why because they've done something wrong and they don't want to say what they've done. If you've been there and done it, you know what's happened and you can just break that barrier straight away and say, okay, real talk, let's just solve it. I know why this has happened. It's okay. You know, you've done, you know, I missed out a whole level in the building. How can we fix this? And, you know, a pure bit manager might just say, well, that's just silly because I'm a programmer and I think about the world in ones and zeros. Like, so it's, it's, you need that human relation as well where you, that they can see that you've done this sort of stuff before too, like you've started in a similar place to them. And, and I think that empathy is a, a really important quality that sometimes, you know, without that experience, you just don't have. You can pretend that you understand what they're doing just to just to get them to leave your desk. But, but that's not, you know, that's obviously not the right, <laughs> the right yeah. attitude we need in AC. So, mm. I think you're touching upon a really interesting thing. And actually, it's one of the points we got here, but it's so true. Is while you've got the, the skills of BIM and we're talking about working in industry, people's skills and that kind of compassion, yeah, it, it is so important. I've got a bit of a story to talk about with that, and I think you'll enjoy it. That yeah, yeah. And it's one, of my fr- it's one of my friends, actually. But we're going to be all hypothetical. And so when I was working in industry, with a really fantastic uh, CAD manager, BIM manager. But sometimes people would be scared to go and show him problems in the project because what would happen is, say, no, I'm I'm issuing the deadline, right? And I need to speak to you, Gavin, about something. But I'm like, oh, shit, because if I speak to Gavin he's going to flag up all the problems in my projects, you know? I've seen that guy before, yeah. Yeah, so, and I don't need that right now because I've got to issue something to the client. So I might have set the file up wrong, but I've got to get the drawings out. And that would be the, I remember once on a deadline, it was like, oh, I need to find out this mica station thing. And they were like, do not go to him. Do not yeah, do that now. Point out the layer naming standard when you're just trying to smash a drawing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, I, I I remember being that guy, just like yeah. with not doing the naming standards and everything. And even in recruitment now, everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and it's important mm-hmm. to acknowledge them. My weaknesses, you know, sometimes you see online like them mm-hmm. productivity people or the people that do lists of lists. I'm the opposite. Yeah, the, I don't um, do. I don't do. Yeah. yeah, I don't do lists. I used I, to, I, and I just dropped it. It was too OCD. I was, I was spending more time managing lists than, than doing things. <laughs> it almost became, yeah. Well, this, well, I mean, it's a good habit I have in one way. It'll occasionally, yeah. though, bite me in the ass when I've done something wrong. Or I used to be the guy when we were doing renders that would have, like, final, final version, 1112. <laughs> Copy two, yeah. <laughs> which is not good, which is, which is, which is, is too far. But... Mm. I, I, I guess with all of this, I do think it helps to be a little bit organized and it helps. Yeah, keep- yeah. I think it's good to just pick a system and stick to it. That's one thing that some BIM managers are really bad at doing. They'll reinvent the wheel constantly and you never have like the latest and greatest system in your project because they're already three versions ahead of you the moment you, you blink, essentially. Like, for mm-hmm. example, my own business, I, I, I think day one, I, I decided on all the naming conventions for my documents for my client numbering system. And it was the really boring stuff, but I said, let's just get it now, stick to it. Haven't looked back 
still use it. Um, and I learned that through BIM management that if you constantly rename standards and line weights, you end up with 20 different versions of everything and you haven't even got a standard at that point. Um, but you're right, there is like you need that base standard that, that carries it through, but it's more about consistency and finding something that works for whoever's using it, I guess, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it kind of comes from the, the analogy we're talking of. Um, the more industry experience I have, bizarrely, the more it would seem unorganized. But I think over time, the more you learn things, you, mm. I like what you said there, if you realize what's important and what's not. Yeah. And so your experience is gone. I need some kind of naming convention, but you don't need yeah. to do the new, new naming oh, convention yeah. of all naming conventions when that mm. one works. And I think that's the, and then the other analogy that you've, um, and we can test the theory I've got mm. is that so when I've set up a recruitment business, half of like as you know, you're setting up a business, or mm. I almost used to think of myself as a bit like a BIM person. I was like, I'm all about efficiency <laughs> and procedures, right? Yeah. And and what I tend to find is when people are setting up things, these procedures, they'll overcomplicate the process. Whereas I always felt like a good BIM manager or someone designing systems, actually, you should always think of the person that's using it and you should reduce the process. It's about making things efficient taking yeah, stuff well, human, out human readable human usable yeah i mean my, i look at my old systems and my new systems and i used to build like uh, a system that only myself and a computer with an algorithm built into it could understand it was like everything <laughs> it was a code and a letter and it's like oh what does the f stand for here oh it stands for furniture what does it stand for over there oh fire it's like oh i can't, can't understand it <laughs> so little idiosyncrasies that i sort of had to iron out of the way i work and and now i've just tried to break it right down like you know my coding system is like four digits and that's it like it's just it's one system stick to it uh, and, and document the heck out of it too if it's going to be complicated like it needs to be documented and, and accessible and, and trainable too i guess if you can't train something in like five minutes it's probably not a good system i guess or at least well, the base principle yeah well this is well what i find fascinating about um and what i respect about bim consultants and bim managers is that it's less to me it's less about uh so I realize the importance of BIM. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be the guy on Twitter sort of saying this and that because I don't know enough about it. But what mm-hmm. I think is interesting is every BIM person I've met who's really good, it's all about their their pursuit of making things more efficient, solving, solving complicated problems. So mm-hmm. I mentioned briefly before, one of the people I respect is Thomas Mahone in the industry mm-hmm. who set up Bimorph. I mean, he's just like ruthlessly um, persistent on... Um, oh, what's the word I'm going for? You know, like he always makes bimorph modules and solves. Oh, yeah, comp- he's very, very. If he's from what I've seen, when he starts something, he, he sees it through and he makes yeah. it work. He's and he just, makes it accessible too. Like he actually shares a lot of his um, code source and stuff like that too. So he's really good at uh, not just, you know, internalizing a, a proprietary system. It might be complicated, but it's still accessible and understandable. I mean, I use his Dynamo package all the time and some of his nodes, some uh, of the cleanest, really? cleanest implementations I've seen in, in custom nodes. So yeah, I really respect him. But he's a good advocate for, for what he does too. He sort of shares a lot of his ideas on the forums and yeah, he's good like that. Mm. Well, that's an important point as well. So I guess what I was saying is that I really admire the way he like uh, tenaciously goes after a goal. And I think a lot of business, mm-hmm. it's, I respect the passion that goes into it. So you've been in industry and then over the years you see like, I, I think that I can add value here. I think that this can be done better. And therefore you've set up, you know, the BIM guru stuff. You've got, you got Tom yeah, at yeah. Bimorph and I think that's great, but that's the really interesting bit is that 
you were in industry, then you found your passion and then you pursued it. And I think that that ties in a little bit. And what I try to say to graduates is you should probably do a year or two in industry, find out what you like, find out what parts of it. And then you you can build from that because I, I think that, because you mentioned briefly you'd like to do more mentorship and i think that's amazing that you're going to do that this year and i watched yeah. your youtube because i'm subscribed and i watched your i watched your presentation where you said you're going to do it and i think mm. it's amazing you're going to do that but the trick yeah. is uh with the person and and uh, is that just to learn bim for the sake of it there's only mm. so much you can do with that but i i guess what i'm saying is people have to be really passionate about it they have to want to um solve all these problems and they've got to be invested but the other bit i like that you talked about there which resonates with me in recruitment is sharing okay because recruitment consult no recruitment consults they don't share right i mean a lot of firms in aac don't either there's a lot of silos still still being held up pretty strongly i mean a big part of my youtube is trying to break a couple of silos on things that just don't need to be proprietary like you know just basic workflows that i know every office has their version of well here's one and it's out in the open now and you know i see firms sort of replacing their old version with what i've shared and i'm like okay cool like it's it's out there now Um, and sometimes on on linkedin i see like um, people posting up screenshots of python code they're doing and i see the variable names and i'm like that's my variable names cool like it's, it's out there. Oh, I've released really? it in the wild and, and now it's everyone. So, so I, I think um, it, it's changing slowly. Like we've got like open source as an idea now emerging where people are trying to develop platforms off, say, like the back of Blender, for example, to, to have an accessible and sometimes free, not always free in terms of cost, but free in terms of access and mm. being able to reach into the base code of the program. So there's definitely like some resistance emerging at the moment. You saw the open letter from, you know, what Edison and Revit and some of those things that, that you know, signs of you know cracks in the silo emerging but yeah i imagine even in recruitment you've got like all your your systems and your standards and your techniques that you use so just to stay competitive that's the challenge yeah yeah it just comes down to finding what what makes the the companies competitive because that's the thing that obviously should be proprietary to some degree because if everyone has it then what's everyone competing based on but uh, and you still need you know enterprise and business to to be successful and competition's good too because it gives the client choice but but it's more finding what matters like is the line weight table in an architecture firm what makes them competitive hopefully not (laughs) Mm. um they might think it is but you know i'm I'm happy to tell most of them it's not um so maybe that should just be out in the open and industry standard but you know if you develop your own platform sure maybe you keep that internal to some degree but maybe you can share it out somehow by licensing it or yeah Mm. well i think that you're you're onto something what i would say is at first the idea of even like doing a live stream or even with me it was the idea of um there's two things i think you almost feel like if you're giving something away like it's foolish you're like are you crazy why would you share this information why would you give someone a script they're gonna but i think it's the opposite actually people in industry and life they reckon they recognize that you're the one that gave it away yeah it comes back to you in so many ways i mean just even people knowing who you are that that's a great feeling for me knowing that i'm there in the industry and i have like my, my place in it now i go back like three or four years ago and no one knew who i was i was an unknown just toiling away at a bit manager's desk and, you know, never actually impacting the industry in a, a bigger way than supporting a project, essentially. Um, so that, that's a, even just a reward unto itself. But it does open up a lot of opportunities, um, like, you know, obviously, like things like podcasts that I wouldn't be on otherwise. But, but a lot of my 
even my clients, a lot of them came to me through just knowing what I did on YouTube or seeing a tutorial and wanting to, you know, have the next next model upgrade of what, what I showed them as a little mini mini teaser. So there's so many ways it comes back to you as well. People think that if you give away something, you've essentially lost the opportunity to make some money out of it. But there's probably bigger bigger rewards at the end, even from a financial yeah. aspect as well. So like my, anchor, my, my anchor client last year who probably pulled in half my income, um, they, they essentially just found me off YouTube and said, hey, really? come on. To do that, but I'm going to do like the Rolls Royce of what you've shown. Like you've shown me like the little Mini Cooper. I want the Rolls Royce, um, and we just went all out. And you know, it was a massive, massive undertaking for one person. But I mean, I wouldn't have had that without you know putting some of that knowledge out there to give people confidence in what I can do as well. So yeah, mm. it, it's always there's always opportunities. Even you might not even realize them at first, and suddenly late, like one year later, someone discovers your channel and off it goes. Because I think I did three or four months on about 100 subs, and I just pushed through. Just just kept going, kept going and eventually it started paying off so yeah there's a lot a lot of reward to it and sometimes closing things off is worse because you're only helping like five or six people maybe and that's you know not really that rewarding mm. chances are they'll just steal it and go somewhere else and give it to someone else anyway so yeah you know, if you close things off you run the risk that it's going to get open and you're not going to be the person that's really credited for it anyway so yeah I remember, I remember when I left the EPR Architects that I downloaded the BIM uh, execution plan and it, I logged it there. And I remember someone being mm. saying to me, like, have you taken that? And I remember they were a really good company and they just had to mm. ask me. And I was just like, honestly, do you think I'm putting like your BIM execution plan on, uh, you know, Craigslist? Come on. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? I was just like, Reference, yeah. yeah, but, but mm. I've, I think there's a few interesting points in what you're talking about there because... Mm. This, if we imagine you're on your journey, you're, you're working out what you want in life. I think that there's an element of community, and especially mm. now during uh, this pandemic and everything else, where I think being online and sharing is so so important. Mm. So, for instance, you totally. mean I mean I'm not interested in and, and take this in the nicest way. I I, yeah. I I watch your videos and they're engaging, and I find it. Um, I respect what you do, but I'm not the person watching the videos. And yet we met online because we were we were we had mutual interests in, in yeah we had mentorship. common motivations in what we were doing yeah yeah and 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 I think that comes from being um being open to opportunity. Oh, that sounds like a bit like a LinkedIn term, but you know what I mean when you when you're when you're up for it, things things come yeah, back. Well, uh, opportunity and not open to work open to collaborate i guess would be the, be the one yeah, maybe yeah that's a and i been open to collaborate <laughs> there you go but i think it's just that willingness to discuss and i have a really good example as well as i think we both know like pierre venter right i had him on the podcast yeah. i've yes, known man. him for years and um he, he he can talk about some stuff bim that i won't understand but i thoroughly oh, enjoy he goes very deep yeah he goes beyond even the level that i'll think about it he's given me some amazing ideas just over the past year or two just about where even i should focus my attention and he's yeah, a big uh, fan of you i'm excited oh yeah yeah, uh, we yeah. met about probably two two years ago, I think, through LinkedIn, and he just started chatting. And suddenly, I was getting these huge messages, and I'm like, "Wow, this guy cares!" Like, so it was good to good to meet someone that's that passionate about it. Yeah, and we well, had the occasional WhatsApp chat. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's been really helpful with the social, <clears> and, and what's been interesting is that, especially at the, when we first spoke to Pierre, I said, "Look, I'm setting up the architecture social," and you know, you don't mince words. But he's like, "Okay, that's interesting. I think there's another BIM one," and eh, you know, and I was <laughs> like, "Oh no, but just come on." for the fun of it and then what's been really great is that we've me and him have had a few stimulating chats about 
kind of really engaging with things. And I tell you, in, in specific with the BIM community as well, I've seen one or two like BIM web webinars, and yeah. uh, there's a, I think there's a part of the culture right now where I think actually just go into a BIM seminar if you're not prepared to like participate. Or if yeah. you're not prepared to you're learn, I mean, it's yeah. worth it's worth nothing. I mean, a piece of paper mm. saying that I was in the in the <laughs> webinar doesn't uh, mean anything. Yeah. But I try to tell people in general just like don't focus on the piece of papers anyway. Just to focus on the value that you're deriving from from what you're doing. Like even when I make my own course platform, there'll be certificates, but I'm not going to be like, hey, this is this is what matters. Like it's just going to be tacked on the end. Like oh, I did it, cool. Like it's more like the value that you get along the way is really what matters. And 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 like you said, that engagement. That's really the only way you can derive your own personal value out of, out of the experience i guess too yeah. um yeah and sometimes those bim sessions can be a bit like jargon 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 so it's more like finding the right ones that that suit your skill level as well i know a lot of people just go to them because it's bim but it's sort of reading you know who's doing it what are they talking about and mm. really thinking about you know what level you, you want to learn at as well like for example there's a guy called um the rabbit kid or jeffrey in america and he's doing some really good live sort of live streams and he has really accessible content that's broken right down for the beginners um and and I find sometimes people, you know, they, they'll go to some, you know, super officiated, super bim bim talk instead. And it's like just because it's maybe on YouTube and it's not the format that they think is going to be the one that gives them a good piece of paper or something like that. But really mm. the value they can get out of something like that is much more, much more meaningful. And that's what I like about your platform too in that it's very accessible for students that aren't necessarily looking for the, the bee's knees. You know, I don't want to just go from zero to bin manager in one day. It's more about collaborating with people at similar levels to them and, you know, actually building building each other up as a community. So I think it's really great what what you're oh. doing. Yeah. yeah. No, looking thank really, you. Looking, looking really promising and I'm seeing like some really good activity on there as well, which is a good sign. So No, yeah. I appreciate it. I mean the only reason I was giggling there a little bit when you're talking is because every time um you get involved i almost want to not talk about bim when you come on live stream and now i just like want to talk about world of warcraft that's why i was giggling um we should do a separate one just talking about wow and we can get our characters out and go walking around yeah yeah but i i've i that would be so cool well yeah. i'm i think that um we can do both at the same time. Like, I don't know if you know that that weird YouTube format people use these days where it's just them playing a game but talking about something completely different while they're playing the game. And that's oh, just my gosh. I think so we're, talking about it, we're just walking around like, wow. <laughs> I think that's like a brilliant idea. Either yeah. you can do BIM on there. We can talk about the the, the future of architecture. <laughs> but I tell you yeah, what, yeah. Mini, mini side topic for a second is that mm. I was totally fascinated with Vive and, uh, and actually – um, do you know what I wrote my dissertation on in architecture? Mm. Bear in mind, this was 2012. So, you know, oh, at the time I was, I was proud. I wrote about um, interactive gaming. Uh, basically, at the time, Twin Motion and Lumion were in yeah, beta yeah. alpha. It was quite early for, for that time. I mean, that was really just cutting edge at that time. Really yeah. So you'll, you'll, you'll bang on the money with that one. I'll, I'll send you it, right? You can... Yeah, you can you can you can you can use what it's going to be outdated, but I'll for, at the time I remember doing it. But I didn't get a good grade because what I did is that I went off and I lost the meaning of it. And what I did was I just thought they were so cool. And the dissertation was just like, oh, you got Lumion, you got this and that. And the guy was like, uh, you're geeking out, and they couldn't relate to the geek. There was out, no yeah. point. There was no like meaning. You know, I was just like at the but end, I was like, the yeah, right lecturer or the right tutor. Like I know one guy at my uni that would have just given you a HD for just even using like a. a 
headset or something. He was so on that at the time. So you just, yeah. I found uni's a bit like that too. You almost have to get like that tutor that's in sync with you to really get like a, a resonant grade. Like, so I find sometimes I encourage students not to worry about the grades too much. Like obviously mm. figure out your GPA that you want to meet, but you know, at the same time, picture more about the value you want to get out of each unit that you do. So for a design studio, don't just do the building. You know, your tutor wants you to do, to do the building you want to do. Like it's finding those, those opportunities. Cause I think when I was at uni, the people that got the big grades were the ones that basically just, you know, sucked up to the tutors and hopefully it's not quite that, <laughs> not quite that um, typical these days, but I'm, I'm sure people still try to just figure out the criteria to, to get the grade that they need rather than what they should really learn from, from the unit. Mm, it's um, I went to two universities and they were totally different. I went to the University of Westminster, which was more London-centric, and there definitely was, and it could have changed since then, um, mm. bear in mind it's 2006, University of Westminster. Don't come mm. for me, I'm just saying personal experience. But, yeah, there was a, there was definitely an element of, um, I used to, f- to call the, some of the two as studios mini-me's. So yeah. if you followed their <laughs> ideologies, you'd get the good grades. Themselves after them, yeah. Yeah, so it was like literally sometimes you'd go to a studio and you were like, wow, this is the same project like 40 times. And there was yeah. no there was no kind of personality. Whereas actually mm-hmm. um, Manchester School of Architecture, it was the opposite where every studio... Individuality it, and, you know, having your own style, your own, your own motivations, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, so there was a tutor at the time, Dr. Nick Dunn, and I was lucky to have him and he used the analogy that teaching in his opinion good a good teacher was like a shepherd as in you've got your flock and he would let the flock roam but he yeah, said, they let you graze and find your own patch of grass. Don't, don't just say this is the only part, patch you can eat from, yeah. Yeah, so he just, he would let it go, but he'd go, but occasionally, if you get too close to the electric fence, I'll pull you back just before you die. But that, yeah, if you're going but, way off track. I mean, they, they do need to do that. They do need to say, okay, this idea is just genuinely probably not a good idea, like to follow. Like, because uh, I mean, my final <laughs> master's piece I did, I did a massive, like, brutalist concrete thing. We we're replacing a shopping center with apartment buildings, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have some fun with this and just turn it into this brutalist nightmare just to parody the the shopping center as the site because it was such a brutalist pace on the site to begin with and one of the tutors is like no 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 one's gonna live there and i'm like but it's not a real project like i want to design something that's more of a discourse than a than i then i guess uh you know i'm gonna go and build this tomorrow so it was more and then one of the lecturers just suddenly realized what i was doing and he's like do it do it do it and he just pushed me like all the way through and at the end like everyone had to do physical models and he's like just give me your 3ds max model i just want this thing digitally so i can fly around it with my headset on and it was a completely different experience so sometimes you find those people that just push you down that path to see how, see how, see how crazy the idea becomes, and, and it's good to good to follow those paths. Yeah, and same with them too. Like sometimes people need to shoot right down some. Go, go down some rabbit hole that no one understands before you go down it and you're like, oh, trust me, I'll, I'll come back out and it'll be great. There'll be all this stuff at the end. And like when you write a script or a code, it's the same thing. You start with the idea and you don't know how you're going to get there, but you sort of just give people the confidence to let you let you go down there. Yeah. Mm, I think it's, there's, it's definitely interesting that um, I got, there's a lot of nuggets here, but what, what kind of comes, what I find really interesting is that Let's pretend now, so outside of me and you, if someone's mm. hypothetically got their eye on BIM right now, mm. I think, would you say it's fair to say, keep that in mind, but work in the industry just to kind of get the understanding of how, of how an architectural practice or yeah, design t- But then the yeah. other thing I was going to ask you, because you've got one or two points here, we covered skills graduates need, so the, mm. the soft skills and you know dealing with people, and getting that industry experience. But Mm -hmm. if you were maybe a graduate that wants to be clued up 
Uh, is there any uh, tips or programs you would learn or places that you would go to right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like the major platform, at least here, and I know in the UK is probably Revit. I mean, it's a it's a program everyone seems to love to hate at the moment, um, but it's still. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The everyone. Yeah, and I mean, what, what else are we going to use, right? There's other programs like Archicad or Plan alternatives, but you really do need your design studio to use the program to really get the most value out of it. Um, whereas I find Revit, there's so much educational material out there that you almost can't fail in learning Revit. It's just a matter of time and perseverance. Um, I find that probably a lot of side programs from there, like the visual coding programs like Grasshopper and Dynamo, um, mm. that they're, they're a really good uh, entry or gateway into programming itself, which is going to be more and more relevant by the day to our industry. Uh, there's mm. more software developers entering our industry now from outside and also from within. Um, I'm sort of half-half. I, I do a bit of programming, but I also don't want to get too deep into the code because you can get quite lost in it. Um, mm. So I think it's really important to at least have a basic interest in programming, um, even if you don't use it, just how someone else will use it that you work with so you can talk to them in programming terms because there's nothing worse than a programmer that, that, that thinks no one understands what they're doing. They, they tend to become quite quite disgruntled and give bad results. Um, as well as that, I think like a lot of the, the visualization programs you were talking about, like your Twin Motions, Enscapes, mm. that the, the rendering programs that don't need someone to work on it for you know three weeks just to get a hero shot, they're, they're becoming really relevant, especially for designers to communicate their designs in 3D. Uh, so quick. Clients, but also internally, it's just such mm. an essential tool. Like I use Enscape myself personally just because I'm quite a strong Revit user. But if you're not, then like Twin Motion might be better, for example, because it comes with a lot of pre-built assets that you don't need to have like a Revit family for. And it's a lot easier to just slap materials on things and build a scene. Um, so I think at least one of those should be like your, your home base for visualization. Yeah, I think that's really important. And if you're an engineer, I'd say like Navisworks is probably really important to learn so you can coordinate with other disciplines in a more efficient manner. Um, most people don't, we don't really coordinate visually that often now. So you might just fly around a, a 30 story building and go every story and have a look at each floor. It's more about finding those class detection routines that can say, just tell me every problem on those 30 floors and I'll, I'll fly through one of them just to look at all the typical challenges. Um, mm. So they're probably the main like software platforms that I encourage. Um, outside of that, there's a lot of open software emerging right now. So like Blender, for example, is building a really strong community at the okay. moment um, from the visualization aspect. But there's also some guys over at um, uh, what they call OS Arch or open source architecture. Um, so if you're interested in pure development and open source development, that's probably something that's going to grow this year and continue to grow as more people come to it. Um, there's one guy I know called Dion, Dion Malt who's um trying to build essentially BIM inside Blender itself um, by putting like the IFC data schema in there. So that's um, that's pretty important. I think down the line that's going to at least inspire um, the next big platform in BIM, I would say. And there's a lot of stealth startups as well, some that I know of quite deeply but can't say a lot about them because of NDAs and, and all that. But um, So there's a few interesting things. I, I don't know if there's a Revit killer yet. Um, everyone's always looking for the Revit killer. But um, there's definitely some competitive platforms that will – have the benefit of hindsight um, in how they're set up. So the other mm. programs sort of had to develop as they as they went. Um, these ones are pretty much developing on the back of every other program's lessons. So 
I think they're the main platforms I'd focus on. And obviously like Adobe Creative Suite or yeah. freemium versions of those programs. Like I use a, a an online web version of Photoshop now that's free um, called Photopeer. And it's like, I don't, know, I don't know how it's legal, but apparently it is. <laughs> apparently they must have lost a patent or something like that. So, so I use that instead now. But just having the ability to creatively manipulate images and designs and objects is probably probably quite necessary as well. So mm. that you're not one of those Revit users that says, well, Revit can't do it. So I can't do it. It's more about interoperating and yeah, lots of programs essentially. But but they're, they're the core programs that I guess I focused on and found that they gave me the most value um, through my, my my 10 years or so so far. But there's a lot of programs still coming and developing that will probably come and sweep a lot of those under the rug one day. So, yeah. You'll tell you what will make you laugh, right? So I did one video on Christmas, yeah. And bear mm. in mind, you, you know, I'm... I talk about software from the employability point of view. And what I yeah. like what you said there, and it's true, is that you can have an opinion on how Archicad is better than Revit and mm. how all this stuff. But so I released a video and the, and you know, in the YouTube world, you notice like the comments are brutal. So I, I came oh, yeah. out and I said, software you need to learn in 2021. I was like, yeah. And I was like, it was far from perfect, but you know what it's like on YouTube, you've got to keep developing and sound level this and that. But anyways, I said, you've got to learn Revit. And look, and I, even then I had one guy I had, you know, he's like, this video was sponsored by Autodesk, Archicad's so much better. And I just felt like saying, okay, that might be true. You might mm. have a much more better understanding of the two softwares than me, but in yeah. the UK, everyone uses Revit. So yeah. if you want to statistically improve your chances of getting a job in industry, knowing mm. Revit, whether or not it's the most efficient piece of software, is yeah, the yeah. way to is the, the way to pace. yeah i mean it depends yeah. on the country too i know in scandinavia for example revit's not as um as relevant oh really it's, there's a lot of context depending on where you want to work as well um one person i met once they could not stand revit at all detested it and they couldn't find a company that used it and i just i just found two other people like them and said go and make a little firm and do archicad like don't let yourself be yeah. limited by what everyone else is doing um limit yourself by your own passion and creativity um yeah. and they ended up just doing a little tiny little startup firm and now they're putting little jobs out there and i was like you know take something negative and put it into something positive so because there is a lot of you know revit sucks hasn't changed for five years there's a lot of negative sentiment but a lot of people are still using it to do work out there and you know Mm. building buildings (laughs) on this platform so it's not all it's not all bad obviously i do have to sort of stand on the fence with this one just because on youtube is you know the bim guru i can't just be the aussie revit guru um i do have to sort of keep a more open mind but i i don't i don't think it's a bad platform by any means i think it's done some amazing things for for our industry and it invented a lot of systems too that have influenced other programs as well um in that a lot of platforms borrow ideas from each other and pass things around and there's a lot of programs that say they're inspired by something just so they don't get sued but you know you you can see it and go yeah you've basically copied that (laughs) so it's good Mm. to see the impact that that program's had on the industry, even if it's not the one that we use in 20 years, like it's, it's left a legacy um, of some sort behind for all of us to sort of better understand BIM and how building models function, uh, building information models function. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely relevant. I mean, you have to be aware of the program at the very least because you'll be coordinating with people that use Revit, um, even if your firm doesn't. So there's definitely that, that need to be aware of it. But wow. it's, it's 
more about what people want to do and where they want to work. I always tell people to pick three or four firms that they want to work at and just make that their like their target. Even if they don't start there, they're, they're hounding until they get to one of those firms and you learn what programs they use. Ideally, if they all use the same programs, it's better. But if they don't, they don't. And that's how you sort of motivate yourself to, to learn a platform because you have like a purpose eventually. It's not just learning Revit. So, you know, Revit is learning it. So you can go BIM manager, Norman Foster or somewhere like that. So yeah. Building that, that goal. Mm. I think it's um, it's definitely an interesting point. The other one I get, which I'm sure you'll enjoy here, um, is that I get occasionally one or two, um, and I kind of get it. As my opinion has changed over the years. So what I'm going to talk about is uh, when I say, so in recruitment, uh, knowing Revit is, is borderline a prerequisite now, yeah. at least on the roles I work on, because yeah, we're talking yeah, IT. Yeah. Yeah, and so I get someone and they'll be like, that's a Revit role. And they go, well, do you know what? I don't think you need Revit. We've got CAD. You, I can do a brilliant detailing CAD. And I think it's gone past the point now where my response before would be to talk about the advantages of BIM. But now I say, do you know what? If you don't want to learn it, don't learn yeah. it. You're going to get left behind. They're a bad hire. They're going to be a problem the moment they start because they'll be trying to turn the entire office around just on their, their system. And it's like, no, it'll be like a BIM manager coming in and saying, oh, you've got standards, but I've got my own little thing. And <laughs> doing now. And the amount of BIM managers that still do that, they try to come and, you know, turn the ship around on their own. And suddenly everyone's just going, oh, where are we going? This is, this is crazy. I've seen so many small <laughs> companies have that. Like even as a consultant, some of my clients have had to come in and essentially just turn the ship back around and say, you guys were like going here and then you did this. What happened? And they're like, I'll be hired this guy or this girl and they did all this crazy stuff and I look at it and I'm like oh this is garbage they've just completely ignored what you needed and you almost have to go back a year and say okay where were you let's just get you back on that track and keep going and immediately they're like oh yeah I remember that system good let's keep going so and same thing if they don't want to meet the criteria of the role then yeah it's, it's a big risk I guess for for the people and also for them I don't really understand the, the mentality of like going against what people actually need rather than just imposing what you want and, and then like it's like why are you even applying for the role if the criteria don't don't meet what you need it's like be selective don't just like apply to every and any role I mean I know that it's hard times and people are looking for work but you know I think it pays to be you know at least um, diligent in what you apply to as well so that you you know it's a job that you're going to actually want to stay at as well because otherwise you just yeah. bounce between job to job to job and, and even I did that for a bit too because I was figuring myself out but I see a lot of people with the two months four months six months you know eight months and and, and it's it doesn't look good on a CV no so yeah to, you to can get you actually want to do yeah yeah you can get normally if someone keeps moving around there's, an, there's a That's reason fine, yeah. and if you embrace it and you just go like the way you did and go look I was finding myself I wasn't quite mm. happy with where I was going or, or where I was then I think that makes sense but I mm. the one bit I do say and one bit I will confess is that so if you knew me in university right i was the guy who would definitely okay i've you know i've got to phrase this in a way which i can still put on the podcast so i was definitely not the guy in the studio who had the adobe license with a crack i was definitely not that guy and i definitely wasn't the guy who would have microstation ver you know because remember back then there was no the we were in an era though guys when there was no adobe student licenses cheap and there was no adobe uh or desk version and you had to know someone or download it on a dodgy site and i'd have like an old version of the software because it was the only one that could be cracked hypothetically when you say you we're not talking about us we're talking about them 
the other people. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> okay, but it, might, I might, it might have been hard times, but so I was that guy at the cutting edge, always the tech, and, and like you uh, were saying is that I think I took pride in being at the cutting edge, but now what I'm... I'm actually, because part of the architecture social is, um, and you kindly talked about the website, I kind of have the same attitude of, okay, I'm not a web designer, but I need to learn it enough that I understand it. I can do it myself because um, I'm not in a position to hire someone to do the, the website. And also there's some really good skills that you learn in it because now I can do it and I can do the graphic design. I can do it all myself, which is, which is really powerful. But once I get to the point uh, that I've achieved the goal, I'm not interested anymore. Whereas 18 year old Steve. point where you need the skills. I had the same thing in programming. A lot of people say, oh, it doesn't look like you're doing C Sharp, which is like the next step after Dynamo. And I'm like, no, because there's like hundreds of other developers out there doing it as well. And I found what I need and I found what it works for me. And I found out that there's still, you know, thousands of people that don't know it or are learning it. And I'm like, I'd rather stay here and keep funneling these people through to get them all up to the same level. And it's like, you find that point where you're like, this will do. Like, you know, this is what I need and either yeah. what I need to make it an income or what I need to be satisfied with what I've done. Like like you said, you know, you, you built your graphics and your website. Obviously, you can pay some person on Fiverr to go and do the graphics, but they're not your graphics and you didn't have their own personal connection with what you've done. So, And I have the same thing on my website. I, I built a lot of the graphics on it and the parts. I, I used Wix, so I still did a lot of you know click and drag, but a lot of the graphics and logos and things like that I made myself and I can look at it and be proud of it for, mm. for something that I, I learned bits and pieces through as well. So I think it's really valuable to do that, especially in a business because that, that's your identity. See, like even like you know I'm, I'm wearing like <laughs> Yossi Bin Guru shirt hey. <laughs> so like you sort of carry that brand with you and it becomes becomes something that you can really you know personally speak and relate to and the clients can see that and yeah, it all it all connects yeah do you know what I'm gonna hijack the BIM track for one second so I've got something I think you you will be proud of right so I've I set up on the architecture social the marketplace okay and so I've got in the next day or two, I'm going to be having like um, an image up on there. But I've, I've got an idea for which we're going to roll out. So if you go on to there now, so you know the background of the landing page, the architecture social, yep, yep. you can buy the artwork of that. Oh, cool. So what <laughs> no, I've, I found a really good little website called Redbubble where you can make your own graphics and sell them essentially as well. That, that's what I've been using for my um, shirt printing. So no, the, 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 don't go to Redbubble because I was going to say, oh, we're going to do it on the social, Gavin. We're going to do it. So I oh, know that's like for a really basic <laughs> thing. I think if you can own the marketplace, it's better. Like I sell my own content on my website. So, oh, this, yeah. this is sweet. Yeah, you've changed the graphics since I last saw it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It now. It's, it's really cool. I like it. So what, what do you think about this, right? So now I've got everywhere like T-shirts and because I went crazy in the weekend. Yeah, yeah. But basically, so the artwork section, what I've got now is, so every month we're going to have um a student uh it's gonna be an open competition now i've mm. got to actually do it because i'm announcing it officially for here oh no Garrett, this is gonna be, i have to trim this bit out at the end if it goes wrong now nah, we'll keep it in but basically every month we're gonna have a competition the best piece of artwork then goes on a picture on the wall people can buy the artwork it's gonna have a qr code on it which you scan and it'll go to the student's portfolio right and i'm gonna give away uh, a fee for every sale after tax after profit because you understand that as a business owner i can't yeah, say yeah, the whole thing otherwise i'll get but then i'm thinking between 10 to 20 percent we'll give back to the student for every painting mm-hmm. that gets sold yeah, that's a great idea I love are that. you in 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I can see, um, I can see one of my courses is on here too, the Performance Network Rhino Inside course. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's um, that links yeah. to Gener- um Performance yeah, Network. Network. Yeah, no, cool. Are you on there? Yeah, that, oh, that's I'll my have, course. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, have so to. Okay. I'll, well, well, now we're officially mates online, so I'll start yeah, yeah. that and I'll boost you up in the store. No, it's very cool. It's good. Um, a lot of things here too, like event listings. This is great. This is um very exciting. Yeah, I look forward to seeing seeing this part, bro. This, this is a great idea. I like this. Yeah, it, 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 beats, red, it beats Red Bubble. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. This is me on the weekend because sometimes I'm I'm a bit of um a bit of a no lifer, and I just was doing on the weekend. <laughs> okay. I, I locked myself in my room for about a year just to learn Revit, so um I've definitely been one with the no life. Yeah. <laughs> you let me off, but it's the perfect time I, to I do. Play, all... I, still, I was going to say I still play Magic the Gathering too, so don't worry. I'm, my life is still like a. <laughs> bit of a no life sometimes. Do you know what? Um, oh, this would be interesting. Did, have you seen the Dungeons and Dragons group on the Architecture Social we're doing? Uh, no, there's one on there. Or... Yeah, awesome. so we got to go. It's called Dungeons, Architects and Dragons, right? And so yeah. Ben, who's arranging it, I've never awesome. played Dungeons and Dragons. He's making <laughs> it so that you have to fill out a form, okay? Mm-hmm. And then he's going to do it so that he's going to be the game master. I've never mm-hmm. done it before. And he's going to be all on Zoom. And nice. he's going to assign us rough characters that we embellish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. So yeah, magic. Yeah, yeah. Fears uh, and traits and things like that, yeah. I want to yeah. see, why don't we do it, right? And yeah, I'll I'm be just getting into D&D right now. I've got a friend that's um, trying to invite me into their campaign as well here. So I'm just brushing back up on the rules for version 5.3 or whatever one they're at now. So, um, so yeah, that might be something I can find some time for, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to change the name from Dungeons, Architects and Dragons to Dungeon Architects, Bim and Dragons, isn't it? Oh, I've got like a tiny bit of architecture in me and just not too much now, yeah. <laughs> I, just... Well, well, we'll do that. But so, all right, I think we're, ha- we're around the hour mark. So what I would say... I think this yeah. has been a great chat. Well, maybe what yeah, we can do, yeah. yeah, we can return on a, a particular topic. So the next one we ever do, we can either, we'll, we'll, it can be either World of Warcraft or we can have like a particular subject. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we can oh, talk and do something on the side, yeah. Maybe as well, what would be really cool, but I'm going really off one, is that we can have someone ask me and you questions and we can see who knows more World of Warcraft lore. Oh, you'll beat me hands down. I'm not the red shirt guy, that's for sure. <laughs> I know that reference. Yeah, yeah, the red shirt. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't he, know. That's pretty. That's pretty up in there. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, that hasn't played WoW, it's this guy that basically knows all the lore, and he comes to all the conventions at Blizzard and essentially picks out the smart, the smallest details that they get wrong between the games, and they go and fix them for him <laughs> in the game. Yeah. Well, he- yeah, I mean, I was playing it back in 2004. But I do oh, think that... I more history with it than me. I started playing it when I became single. So that was probably... I had a good bachelor period where I got on the WoW when I finally had time for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> World of Warcraft is not going to help the bachelor period. It's going to extend the period. Do you oh, know it's what I'm saying? accentuated it, yeah. Well, once my partner showed up, I said, I better stop playing WoW now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I think, 2012 through to 2015. So I got it about three years in there, yeah. But I didn't get to play the classic days when it was like in its, in its heyday. But we could always check out WoW Classic maybe i know they've just got that going as well so i played a little bit of it and then i re-remembed that how, how brutal it was <laughs> i basically i you know because in the old days you got level 60 i got to 20 and i was like mm. oh my god but then i what i remembered is back then i had loads of time on my hands you know mm-hmm. it's the it's the classic problem i'm sure we have where it's like 
I used to hypothetically again maybe use BitTorrent and stuff to download films, and now I have money, I can buy stuff, and I buy everything. Yeah, I mean, we live in an age where information is just so readily available, and, and products are so readily accessible as well. It's crazy. I, I even have to just think about the days of dial-up internet and how much things have changed, and it's hard yeah. to even explain it to generations now that haven't experienced it at all. All that all they've known is the internet. It's a strange um, sort of sort of meeting point of the the difficulty of actually accessing things like i think we appreciate it more and we're better at troubleshooting problems because we had to be the guy like toggling the switches on the modems and trying to figure out what's going on and you couldn't just go on your mobile and do like a little fact where you're trying to connect your computer to the internet with mobile data you had to genuinely just guess guess your way through it where if someone picked up the phone it would cut off the dial-up i remember yeah. like, mom oh gosh yeah do you remember and she's like i want to call your auntie in half an hour you better be off and i'm like <laughs> I can't because uh, you know the download. I, I downloaded like the album of Nickelback, which was like yeah. three <laughs> megabytes. Like yeah, yeah, from LimeWire, and then halfway through the song, it would just go like, yeah, and then you're like, ah. reestablish the connection. Oh man, yeah, times have changed. Yeah, and it, even in in BIM and all these other things, like there's just so much more training data out there, and you don't have to guess your way through the programs anymore. It's changing a lot. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad it has. Like I wouldn't want everyone to go through what we went through, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I kind of I. It was, I like, it's like the best of times, the worst of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, yeah, good times, the, the blurst of times. But, um, yeah, no, we had um, had some good times in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think so. And last thing before we go, just so we've got to add each other. Are you on Steam? I've got Steam. Uh, I think I am, yeah. I'd have to go and check my ID because I don't use it too frequently. I'm mostly a PlayStation player these days. Oh, you're um, on the PSN? Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. My, my handle's, um, I've got the handle if you want it and if anyone else wants it. Um, <laughs> you're going to publicly put your handle on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called um, it's called Lord Lord of Riots eighty eight. So, All right. so anyone that plays Magic the Gathering might know the reference there. But <laughs> right, I'm I'm yeah. into the void because you know I'm I also cool. Well. I like that, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. And I, and I'll tell you what, I've got an embarrassing amount of games on there. You will look at it and <laughs> I've done the sales before. Yeah, they build up pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. How many how many games do you think I got on there? I'll just guess you got a few hundred, maybe. <laughs> 3,500. What? <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, they like some people use the analogy, and uh, I'm not saying it's true, but you know, it's like um, having too many shoes in the closet and something like yeah. that. Well, I've got like a billion games on my Steam account. That's how bad, that's how <laughs> bad I am. Wow, well, that's amazing. Yeah, okay. No, I definitely, definitely bow down my gaming hat to you with that one. That's um, you, you win that one. I don't think I even own that many games. Full stop. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing amount. So I'm, I, I, and I haven't, I haven't played all of them. But so there must be some, some achievement on Steam for doing that that only a few people. Might have. <laughs> yeah, Gabe Newell, the owner of um of Steam and Valve, says I put a wing on his house. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm telling you. But I think. So we've covered Steam, we've covered yeah. World of yeah. Warcraft, <laughs> we, we have covered BIM and stuff as well. So and it's nice not to always talk about BIM because I do a lot of BIM talks, and it's nice to just connect it all back to the facets of life that aren't just about BIM as well. So because we're all human at the end of the day, and you know I don't I don't eat and sleep BIM too often. <laughs> I like to no, think so. I think I think it's more about with BIM or whatever you do in life. I think that it's more about. Like the social is a is a is a combination of I, it's ideas that I've had over the years and 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 it's 
I've managed to do that because of my experience getting there and the fact that I worked in the industry and the fact that I've done recruitment um, all helps to get yeah, there. Part of the journey, isn't it? I mean, even my um, my consulting business, there were steps to that that I'd laid in place years before I started doing it. Like my YouTube was sort of part of an idea of being someone so I could actually have my business and be known as someone. So there's all little little stepping stones along the way. And that's always yeah. advice I give people as well when they're looking to be consultants or doing something more abstract is like you need to have that pathway mapped out to some degree. Even if it's an abstract pathway, it's not just a, I, I open a business tomorrow and the clients show up. It's a, it's a much more, you know, calculated pathway so that when you're on there, you can keep guiding yourself through it the next, to the next step of the way. And it's really important. Like with your social platform, I'm sure there's still steps that we haven't heard about that you're planning and it's all coming together. Yeah. And I need, I need up. to get a Gavin Crump special artwork with a, where we can, the QR code goes. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Contribute a couple, yeah. Yeah, we need that. I've got a, I've got a one of Australia where it's got all the program logos built up, all the states of Australia. So that could be a fun little, fun little graphic. Let's do it, and we can haggle on the on the on the split of the commit on the things, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds fun. It sounds fun. Yeah, I've got to get on there more often. I, I use LinkedIn a little bit these days, but I am trying to find some new platforms just that are a little bit more focal and to the point because I find that LinkedIn's becoming a bit of a Facebook. Um, so maybe, yeah. maybe social could be the next uh, the next LinkedIn for me. Hey, that would be cool, isn't it? That would, and I, I'm, I've already got the Dungeons and Dragons, so I might, oh, I might. You're already enticing me in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know how to get you because it's the it's passion for gaming. So we'll ignore the architecture and the BIM. We'll just go. Yeah, for we'll me, go, it's a matter of time commitment. Once I can sort that out, I'll I'll be there for sure. <laughs> no, you're totally you're totally cool. If I think of it like an experiment, we do as much or as little as you want. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and what was I going to say? The last thing I was going to say, just on the point of. I think the analogy for this and like BIM or anything, you you can't just be a BIM person. Or like, for instance, I tell you the other day, someone said to me, Steve, I want to build an architecture community. Can you tell me how to do it? And at first, I don't think this person actually understood the gravity of the question because I was like, A, don't do it because it takes up all my time. <laughs> but I was like, you can't just want to do a community. And I think it's like BIM or anything. You can't just say, you've got to live it, breathe it. And yeah, then yeah. it... It, it comes from, the first step and then everything has to come from there yeah yeah so it's like the your bim youtube channel which is really helpful comes from your experiences on where you were so for yeah. anyone listening to me if you want to if you want to to build your own social platform or be on youtube or you're thinking of becoming a bim manager think about more uh, the journey getting there or getting that hands-on experience and you might find that you end up dumping a bin manager you do something else or you do something out but you find your own passion and that yeah. kind of search for what's interesting is going to make you more successful because you're going to be doing something you're passionate about do you know what i mean and have your motivation as well like have a reason for it like mine was actually born out of like frustration at the the closer closed nature of um being in our industry at the time so and for yourself i'm sure you're trying to make everyone more socially connected and and active and collaborative and there's probably similar motives there as well so i think that's really important too wanting to do it's one thing but knowing why you want to do it that's probably the bigger the bigger part because that's what drives you forward to keep doing it as well wow well, you definitely have passion and you i tell you what you will definitely be making the people proud that you crashed the bin model off that so you <laughs> yeah, I, I still see them back in adelaide sometimes for drinks and they, they still remind me of it of course but oh yeah it's gonna be brought up every time he goes you know he's got a bin consultancy now and he crashed the bin model and you're like <laughs> but i'm the same i would just totally bring it up to every 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 yeah, but it's good fun. Like someone told me that they, they, they found out that story and they're like, did that really happen? It's like, this guy told me and I'm like, I know exactly who told you based on how you told me. 
I know the guy. <laughs> so it's good, it's good fun, but that it keeps you humble. It reminds you of where you came from and sort of keeps yeah. you on the So it's important, yeah. Yeah, we are, everyone, everyone makes mistakes, but for anyone listening, they can find you online. You are on the social, but let's talk about where they can find you, your YouTube channel, sure, LinkedIn. Yeah, so a few places, I guess, on YouTube, um, Aussie Bim Guru is the channel name. Um, so that's Aussie with two S's, not the, the Z variant. Um, and I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn just as Gavin Crump. I think I'm actually like the Gavin Crump. I was on there quite quite early, so it's lucky. I had like a dormant LinkedIn for like 10 years and never used it. And then finally came yeah, back yoink. to so I have no numbers after my name, luckily, which is cool. Um, but uh, you can find me for consulting at BIM Guru, so www.bimguru.com.au. Um, so similar to my YouTube channel, but without the Aussie. And um, in general, you can just contact me through either my email, which is aussiebimguru at gmail.com, just for general queries. If you're having trouble with a program, just let me know. I don't do like freemium work too often. Like I'll help to a point, like maybe I'll give you like five minutes of coding time just to see if I, if it's a really easy solution, I'll just, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Tell you, yeah. Um, if it's like I need you to build a script for me, I'm like, okay, cool. Now we're consulting. Um, <laughs> There's a, a fine line, but um, but I try to be available for especially students or graduates that are looking for advice on where to begin. Um, I've got literally one that I'm getting back to after this this podcast that just messaged me right before, and I said I'll get back to you like in a in a few hours with some advice. Um, so if you if you're struggling or just a bit confused, or you just need like a little bit of a push in the right direction, just just let me know. Um, I think I've responded to every LinkedIn message I've ever got. Even if it's just telling telling um outsourcers to leave me alone, <laughs> so, so um yeah, so there's a lot of lot of ways you can reach me. I'm I'm probably a little bit too accessible. <laughs> if anything, my phone buzzes all day. Um, but yeah, no, definitely keen to, keen to help people out where I can. Um, and, I'll, and I'll do my best too. So, so don't, don't hesitate to reach out. But I, I don't buy it. <laughs> it's amazing what you've done. It's it's so amazing. I'm just Likewise, so. Like- because I see what you're doing too, and it reminds me of when I was sort of starting off my channel and just getting that momentum. And I can see that this is going to—it's going to go a long way. The social, I can see the—I can see the um, trajectory for it for sure. Yeah. Well, you are—you are. Well, I'm a bit. It's a bit. I'm a bit torn because I, I love my 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 lad Tom Mahomes, but you know you've got the World of Warcraft, so you're doing well at being like <laughs> yeah. the best bin friend right now. Do you understand uh, what I'm saying? Uh, Tom, Tom's great too. Tom, Tom can do a lot of things that I can't do in BIM, and I'm sure I can do a lot of things he can't do in World of Warcraft. So. Well, you two would be the dream team on it. But hey, and just the last thing before you know, just so you know, on yep. the Architecture Social, I have put you as supported channels. You're a friend of the yep. social. Oh, thank you. Just so yep. you might get one or two subscribers from that, and the song yeah, I say is you're welcome. That. Yeah, I mean, the subscriber count doesn't bother me too much. It's just about sharing and getting the knowledge out there. That's my motivator. And that's what that sort of thing does. That that makes people aware of what I do. And for those that are wondering when I'm coming back, I've been on break for about two months. I'll be back um, probably second week of February, if anyone's freaking out and cool. waiting for me to let them know. So I'll be back and back and swinging. So and a course platform will be coming about a month after that. So a busy year ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to follow it. So thank yeah. you so much, Gavin. Oh, thank um, you, great time on here really good free free flow discussion is really my favorite sort of podcast i've had a great time so yeah brilliant well i hope that the bloody files are exported all right now so i'm gonna click the button and we'll find out gavin otherwise i'm gonna literally jump out of the bridge see you in a bit okay